eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Buck Nuts Happy Hour. I'm Patrick Murphy from 247 Sports and Bucknuts.com. I have a fun show planned today. We are going to be joined by Devere Posey, former Ohio State wide receiver uh, who played with Terrell Pryor and a bunch of those guys back in the day. Uh, talk to him about his career with the Buckeyes, his career after the Buckeyes, what he's up to now. Uh, Devere's a guy that I, I've gotten to reconnect with here recently, so excited to have him on. He'll join us here shortly on the show. And then once we're done talking with Devere, I'm going to jump into kind of these preseason rankings that have started to come out. Uh, we still haven't gotten the AP and coaches full yet. Those will come out next month. But kind of just where the Buckeyes are, are projected to fit into the big picture across the country, in the Big Ten, so on and so forth. So uh, we should have a pretty good show here for you guys. Uh, it's the happy hour. The last few episodes, I have not had a beverage other than water. Today, I thought I had a bunch of beer in the fridge. Turns out the beer is in a cooler that we took somewhere last weekend. It is in the back of my girlfriend's SUV. She is at work. So I'm settling for a ranch water hard seltzer. Uh, I can deal with that for, for the happy hour today. Still at least getting getting something other than water today. So uh, cheers if you're watching this live. Cheers if you're watching this at home. It's almost the weekend. We're recording this on Friday. Excited to uh, to get another weekend. Not many more weekends left where uh, we won't have Buckeye football. So we're obviously going to enjoy those. But enjoy these weekends while you still got them, Buckeye fans. Cheers. Um, real quick before we get to Veer on here, uh, I wanted to address earlier today, actually I guess it technically came out, um, a few days ago, initially reported by Nathan Baird of Cleveland.com, but through a public records request, Ohio State reported uh, two minor violations, nothing serious here, but I think it just uh, 
goes to show how uh, silly the NCAA still is with things. But uh, two minor violations that that they self-reported. The first was from a recruiting visit last year for the Wisconsin game. Uh, doesn't name the prospect or his family, but uh, they vi- were t- accompanied by a staff member to visit a former Ohio State player at a tailgate, which was technically off campus. That is a minor violation under the NCAA's rules. So Ohio State has self-reported that. Uh, they also provided education to the staff on kind of the campus layout, the campus footprint, and reduced their contact with said prospect. Again, prospect not named, but um, they, they kind of pulled back after that. We, we've seen that happen before when there's been some minor violations. Second violation, and this one's more ridiculous in my mind, but still got to follow the rules as they are right now. February 13th, this was before spring practice, obviously. Um, the players were using a blocking sled in a conditioning workout with additional weight on it, which you cannot do under the NCAA rules for some reason. Uh, you cannot use sports-specific equipment during that period in the calendar is, is basically how the rule reads. So Ohio State actually found this out because they posted uh, one of those videos on, I think, Twitter and someone from another school reached out and said, hey, you may want to take a look at this. This is technically a violation. So they reported it. Um, and that led to reduced uh, athletic-related activities by half an hour during the week of March 5th through 11th. Uh, you know, if, if those are the consequences, I guess you deal with that. I still think these rules are, are rather ridiculous in the age that we live in, but some kind of newsy things that, that popped up today uh, that I wanted to get to. So if you haven't missed that, I post that story on Bucknuts this morning. You can get to it or you can read it on there. Uh, but let's get into it here. Let's uh, let's dive in. We've got Devere with us now. Devere, what's going on, my man? What's up, Pat? How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Good to have you on. It's uh, I know we mentioned when I ran into you in the press box last year, we wanted to do something like this. So I'm glad we were able to make it work and uh, whatnot. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, welcome to the Bucknuts Happy Hour, as we call it. Oh, nice. Happy Hour got started a little early, I see. Yeah, yeah. I have a, I was saying right before you got on, I have a hard seltzer here because all the beer we apparently had in our house is in my girlfriend's trunk in a cooler that we took somewhere last weekend. So this is what I'm working with. Uh, not going to do anything too crazy here. but uh, <laughs> nice. just, take, just take it easy into the weekend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. It's, it's a slow build. I think yeah. I'm talking to Timmy tonight. Are you on the show tonight? No, no, I'm not on tonight. I'm not. I think I'm on next week. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah, I got to slowly build to that. I can't be too crazy for talking with with Timmy on beers and buck guys. Anyway, um, let's dive into stuff with you. Uh, I want to go back and kind of talk about. I want to start with your recruitment to Ohio State. Um, I was looking back on it because obviously it's been some time now. Yeah. Looked from what I could find. Obviously, the recruiting services were different back then. Um, who were the other big players kind of involved in your your recruitment? And what, what do you kind of remember from that time in life? Obviously, a pretty awesome time, I imagine, when when schools are coming after you, kids like that. Um, I would say the big players personally was my mom. Obviously, when Hazel and Trestle come knocking at your door, yeah. it's very, very hard to say no to those guys, right? And then um, for us, we were – a bit unique as a class at that time we were kind of recruiting each other right it was a center mike mike brewster he committed really early out of florida and um he was one of the like higher ranked players in the class of 2008 and so once everybody started getting their stars and 
we kind of immediately went to, you know, the text message groups and was just trying to get all of our guys to, you know, to commit. We were corresponding with coaches, like, who you guys want, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, you know, we'll be a part of that process. So I think, you know, me, Bruce and Mike Adams, Jake Stoneburner, JB Shugarts, those guys were some of the guys that committed really early. I committed in uh, March of my junior year. Yeah. And so being able to uh, be, another force right for Ohio State recruiting at the time to help get Terrell Pryor here because I mean Terrell like his recruiting signing day so we were able to kind of really just help Ohio State you know bring him home so I would say it was my mom obviously with Tress and Hazel entered the picture and then just the other guys right the other guys in the class of 2008. Did you really consider any other programs or was Ohio State once they got involved was that where you wanted to be? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I always grew up loving just Cincinnati, you know, geographically, we get a lot of SEC games. So I grew up, you know, loving Miami. Um, my uncle played at Michigan. I had a love for Adrian Peterson and Malcolm Kelly at Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. And obviously, who didn't love USC back then? So, you know, if those schools entered the picture, I always felt like, man, I got to take my visits out there. I mean, in Florida was a superpower at the time with Urban Meyer and Tim, in the Tim Tebow era. But, uh, like, the only school to offer me at all those schools I mentioned was Oklahoma, Florida, and USC. And but by the time I committed so early, Coach Trust knew how to – he knew how to do and say things that wouldn't be, like, restricting. But he would say stuff like, hey, like, how would the Ohio State fans feel if you took a visit to this school, right? And it was just like, you're right, Coach. You know, I don't want to piss the fans off. So he knew how to keep guys locked in, and uh, those were probably the only other schools I would even kind of let take a look at at all. You got to answer that? No, I don't. I'm sorry. No, you're good. You're good. Just want to make sure it wasn't important. Uh, It's funny you say that because even like now, you know, Ohio State, they don't prohibit guys from going on other visits and, and, you know, you being a wide receiver, Jeremiah Smith, the top wide receiver in this class has taken full advantage of that visiting a bunch of different programs. But I imagine there are similar conversations with players now of like, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to let these fans down that have, you know, especially now with social media and stuff, everyone knows what everyone's doing. Um, so let's fast forward. You, you mentioned Terrell, that class. I remember that class, very fondly. I actually remember. In, uh, Hold on. I'm going to do a do not disturb. Give me one second. Let me see if I You're good. Do. You're good. There we go. All right. I'm good to go. All right. Sorry. All right. No worries. Yeah. Apologize. This is, no, yeah. you're fine. This is part of doing it live. I have my dog barking back. <laughs> it happened. Um, but no, uh, looking, looking forward a little bit, you mentioned Terrell. What was it like kind of dealing with that? Because as you said, that recruitment went beyond signing day. Um, it was obviously a huge deal. The whole country was kind of paying attention to, to what he was doing. What was it like kind of being behind the scenes, so to speak, a little bit on that? And, and when he finally committed to the Buckeyes, what was the reaction from kind of the class at large? I mean, I mean, when you think back to his recruitment, and even now, I mean, it was it's hard to argue like a prospect bigger than him, right, for football and basketball. So yeah. it was a lot of stuff just going into, you know, can Ohio State possibly get this guy and what it would mean to, 
you know, the Ohio State room as a whole uh, quarterback room and just even the legacy of Ohio State. And when you look at a player like Terrell, I mean, Troy Smith, you know, he won the Heisman, but he really wasn't that, you know, he was a pro style quarterback. He really wasn't that zone option, zone read guy. And then, boom, you get Terrell to commit. And then you look at all these other guys, these dual threat quarterbacks that have entered the college scene, you know, sometime after him, Justin Fields, Barrett, um, Haskins, you know, even C.J. Stroud and just like what it did to the legacy of Ohio State quarterbacks. I really think, you know, he helped change that whole landscape of like what you think about as an Ohio State quarterback. You were obviously an Ohio kid, so you were very familiar. But what do you think it did for that class, which was obviously a huge class? Buckeyes coming off of back-to-back appearances in the national championship game. I know they lost them both, but just getting to that point, Trestle had won in 2002, but getting back to those games, how do you think that affected that class and allowed you guys to build what you did? Well, I mean, that was something that I really remember, like those guys playing at a high level and really wanting to come in and learn, you know, behind guys like Hardline and Robisky who played in national championships. Like these guys were super experienced. I thought they were technicians at the time. And for us, like if you look at like all the position groups, we all had somebody to learn from. Right. I, I remember, you know, office alignment. Alex Boom was a big prospect for everyone. And then, um, you know, I know Mike Adams and Sugars wanted to learn from him. And then um, there was always like that one player that we were looking at that played in those games. Like, you know, maybe I can go to Ohio State and have some success. And and that's what we would love to do is, is play at that, you know, national level and, and make it to that BCS national championship game eventually. Yeah. Uh, when you get to Ohio State, you know, obviously you, you're a four-year guy. Um, when you look back at your Ohio State career, is there a game, a play, something that like stands out above everything else for you that, that maybe you know, mm-hmm. kind of defines in your mind your Ohio State career? Um, I, I enjoy my uh, Michigan, my Michigan touchdowns. I think that's always cool to be able to say you played it in that, you know, the greatest one of the greatest rivalries in sports, like, you know, not just football, but even NFL, NBA, baseball, like just to say you played in Ohio State Michigan game and to score in two of those games, you know, that means a lot to me. And also my bowl game touchdowns, because I felt like, you know, every time I scored in a bowl game, it kind of did something in the momentum, whether it was the Rose Bowl or Sugar Bowl and even the Gator Bowl. Like I, I just I value those. But I often think about the plays that I want back, right? The plays sure. that I do make more more than anything. Uh, more than the ones you do make, but the plays that you didn't make, you know, you just, it's crazy. You know, you can't ever go back and fix mistakes, but I think about those more than the ones that actually came through. Yeah. It's funny how that works, right. With, with athletes, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I was a soccer guy. I still play like co-ed soccer, but I come home after games sometimes. And I'm just like thinking back through the game, it just drives you nuts. The mistakes you made or, or whatnot, yeah. even if you had a good game. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It does drive me nuts. I mean, I I think one play that I often think about my junior year, uh, I think I finished with like like 950 or something like that, 954, 948, something like that, um, yard total for the season. But it was a play on third down. We were playing in Iowa, and it was like uh, they were playing cover two the whole game. And so, like, it's just like two high safeties, 
And so like me and Dane had these routes where we would go to the boundary and like Dane would take away the inside safety and I would outside release and it would just be like an sure. easy goal ball. And I'm talking like Terrell threw a pun up. It was like in the air. And it was, it was one of those plays where like, oh yeah, this is a touchdown. It's the game winner. Lap, laps of concentration. It was easily like a 60 yard bomb just goes through my chest. Like I have a hole in my chest. Right. And then like uh, the next morning in the lantern, like I'm like sitting like this and Brutus is behind me with his hands in his head. And it's like, I think about that play all the time. Cause right. Catch that. Boom. We win the game. Terrell doesn't have to, I think Terrell ran for like a fourth and 16. We ended up winning. Right. But just for my totals, I'm at a thousand yards, right? I'm at 60 catches for a thousand yards and 10 touchdowns. And it's just like, ah, if I could have that one back, that's the one I want back because I I was just shy of a thousand yards. Yeah. Crazy to think about. Yeah, that. that's that's nuts. Uh, yeah. I always think about, yeah, I always think about your Rose Bowl touchdown. I don't know why that one stands mm-hmm. out among them, but maybe it was just because it'd been a long time since Ohio State had been back in the Rose Bowl. Now they've gone out there a handful of times recently, but that yeah. game, just, you know, it popped for me, and then make a play like that. Uh, that's one I always think about with your career. Yeah. Um, some of the guys you played with, uh, you mentioned, you know, obviously Terrell, but but who are some of the other guys that, like a guy like Dane? I remember when when he was here, kind of an underrated guy that that really had a, a big role. Who were some of the guys maybe that that you thought really stood out? Maybe that didn't stand out to, to fans, but had a role either behind the scenes or or guys that you saw having a career after you. Just some guys that that, that popped in your mind back in your career. <sighs> Just guys that really like popped to me, like work that work ethic wise. Like, I kind of knew. I wasn't surprised with Nate Ebner's story at all. Okay. Um, when he came to Ohio State, he was just one of those guys that was competing in the weight room, you know, challenging starters. And you're like, man, who is this guy, right? But this guy just had this will to win and this will to just work hard that was just next to nothing and, and and like he always stood out to me and I wasn't surprised at the NFL career he had. I loved um playing and practicing against Cam Hayward. Like he brought another level to practice every single day. I mean like this dude, you would be fearful that he might tackle you. He would tag off so hard in like shells and helmets. But that's just how he played. He played hard every single play, right? And um a guy that I know a lot of people forget about um, that was so talented. And to me, you know, just coming from Southern Ohio and being a track guy, this dude dominated the track. And that was Brandon saying, like, this dude was so talented, so mild mannered that um, I'm probably I probably can't even find him on social media right now. He's just like a quiet guy. But you're talking about talent, speed, did everything so naturally. Um he was a guy I think that often gets forgot about, you know, within Boom and Carlos Hyde, that that era. And um, I mean, for some reason, Tress always had me kind of hosting guys, right? You talk about guys that came after me. We were always able to host, uh, you know, a lot of big recruits. I think I hosted Braxton, Devin Smith, Corey Brown, Carlos Hyde. Uh, my roommate was a linebacker, so he hosted ATN Sabino. He hosted Ryan Chazier and a lot of guys that came in on the defensive side. Um, and so I always loved that part, right? Just showing guys like, this is the reason why you want to come here. And um, and I think it's helped, you know, as we've all grown and gone through our college careers, like, you know, I'm off, I'm friends with all of those guys that I hosted, right? It's yeah. you know, 
we're, we we can always pick up the phone and call each other and laugh about things. But I remember I hosted Carlos High, man. It was funny because the, the night I hosted him, that was the night that I met my wife. Uh, so I'll never forget that day. We, we lost to Penn State. I think it was the like Derek Williams, Jordan Norwood, Aaron Maven team, um, Daryl Clark. Daryl Clark was a quarterback. Yep. We lost in the shoe in a night game. And I really didn't feel like hosting that night. Didn't feel like hosting at all, Pat. I was like, oh, God. And so it was a party not too far from the dorms. And so I decided to take these guys out, Carlos Hyde, and uh, ended up meeting my wife in that party. So, you know, I appreciate Tress always uh, making me a host and, um, you know, always kind of value those relationships that I was able to build with guys before they got here. That's that's a crazy story. I mean, yeah. <laughs> who knows? You guys win that game. Maybe you go somewhere else. You know, maybe right. – Things right. go differently. Uh, it's crazy how those things tend to work out. Um, yeah. I'm not surprised Tress trusted you with, with hosting guys, having gotten to know you a little bit. You seem like a guy who, who could handle that responsibility, I think. It was always fun, man. I, I just, you know, showing up the facility, talking to the parents, and just be like, all right, man, this is what life is like as an Ohio State guy. So yeah. I always enjoyed that part. Yeah. Um, your career, I think, will for – some for, for good or for bad will always be associated with kind of how things ended uh, with, with the tattoo gate stuff. I don't know how much you want to get into all that. And I don't want to force you to talk about it all, but um, just to, to have the career you had and then to have something like that, that now these days is completely legal. Just how do you kind of view it from that perspective of like, you know, obviously this was your guy's stuff. Um, if you did it today, it, it wouldn't be a problem. Just, you know, it, it changed the trajectory of things a little bit, I think. How, how do you view it now looking back on it? Um, I guess looking back on it, uh, it's one of the – I mean, I still have the files in my file cabinet over here of all of the NCAA, like, I guess you call them depositions or whatever. Yeah. But um, on the top of them, it's it's a name, image, and likeliness case, right? It, it, was, right. it was something where we understood as players – that we had some type of value in the community with who we were, with our persona. Um, I think what was tough is playing a video game with yourself. And I think, you know, my guy had like long hair, dreads, and it was like, but no, that's really me wearing number eight out there. And I think that was tough just to always just see, you know, how much money everybody was making. And then kind of, we did it. I know the tattoo thing is what people remember the most, but sure. we were in the community, you know, signing autographs or, you know, taking pictures and, you know, things like that, making appearances. And we were like charging fees. And, and I think that's what really upset the NCA more than anything is that we had that understanding that, you know, in our meetings is like, well, you guys are making money. Why can't we, what's wrong with that? And, um, I think now when you think back, you know, it's it's laughable, but like, you know, I don't I don't laugh much about it. I I, I know that it, it was something that I think hurt my draft stock. It really hurt hurt our national championship, you know, probability going into that next year. We lost Terrell in the supplemental. Um, obviously, everybody knows what happened to Tress, but it was one of those things where it kind of had to happen for you know people to be where they are here now right and ohio state to be one of the places one of the universities that's 
leading this NIL, um, what would you say, boat or leading it towards where it needs to be, it's uh, it's something that, um, you know, it just had to happen, right? Like we we had to we had to go through that for for you know people to capitalize on it now. So I mean, I don't really, I mean, it's 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 been a rough road, but I think the thing for me that I've always tried to do is just still be devere, still be solid through it all, right? Um, you know, take my you know lumps on my chin or and uh, and always smile and always take the high road, right? And it's always paid off because. I think I've been able to keep my character, you know, unblemished through it. And um, if you look back, it's really only it's only bad thing you can really say about me. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah, it's if you call it bad, never got in trouble at Ohio State, was a great student, always loved and and revered the Ohio State tradition and was always proud to be a buckeye and a wide receiver at Ohio State. And and I think, you know, it's um it's something that just laid the groundwork for today. Yeah, I definitely agree. Uh, but let's look ahead. You mentioned NFL. Um, you know, you you were still, despite missing some games that year, you were still a third-round pick. What what do you say when you think back on your NFL, the, the time in the NFL? Because, I mean, what were you, four years in the league? Uh, yeah. how, how do you kind of view that period of life before you went off to the CFL? <clears throat> Uh, I think, you know, the, the thing with the NFL, it's, it's an awesome job. And I love J.J. Watt's quote, you know, like success isn't like the, the rent is due every day, baby. Like you got to you got to put yeah. in the work. And I think learning to become a pro is a process for a lot of guys. And then there's just like the freaks that are just super talented and they're just like immediately productive. I think for me, you know, learning how to be a pro and, oh, and just coming off of a year where I only played three games, like I wasn't in rhythm my rookie year so i really didn't even crack the lineup until what like october of my rookie year and i was uh just inactive just learning and then finally when i was able to crack the uh rotation i was able to really you know find production and then like uh, my best game was in the playoffs probably you know we won the wild card against the Bengals, and then went up to new england and it was probably my best game and boom snapped my achilles right and so at that point, I had to learn how to recover and take care of your body. And then that that's another level of, you know, the NFL. Like people always hear like LeBron puts in, you know, a million dollars into his body. Um, if somebody would have told me that back then, I would have loved to hear that information. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, I think it's interesting that you then go off to the CFL where uh, I don't think a lot of Ohio State fans are aware of kind of the that league as much um i remember watching i i assume it was the playoffs i know you ended up winning a gray cup up there what what are, would you say is the was the biggest transition to to that kind of football because it is different and uh what what do you remember from your time as a cfl player um, i think you have to kind of you have to know more a little bit because there's an extra guy out there there's um things built into the route concepts and the plays like motion or the waggle um, that you can kind of use to your advantage. Um, I think I, I kind of went through one, two, three. Yeah. So I went through three transitions. I always call them one transition was coming from the NFL game, which is a tighter field. Yeah. Routes are sharper, you know, catch windows are smaller um, things. You know, I feel like guys are faster, you know, in and out of routes, Going to CFL, 
you might not need to come out of that comeback or out of that go ball or that cornerback wall as, as fast as you think because the field is bigger. The quarterback might give you more time to get into space. So just learning the nuances, right? And then after that year in Toronto, we won a great cup. I went back to the NFL and played for the Ravens. And so just studying a playbook after looking at 24 guys on the field, um, the NFL game seemed way more simple to me. It seemed way less uh, complex, right? Because it's it's not as many players. And so when I'm looking at it, I'm like, wow, like, man, I wish I would have learned how to do it. And then also just playing at a championship level, no matter what league it is, like two-minute drives, understanding, you know, being one, two, or three in a read. I didn't know those things before I got to Canada. And just playing at that championship level, attention to detail was something that I brought back to when I went back to Baltimore. And then it's just one of those things, right? It's politics. Like I'm a, I'm not a drafted guy anymore. I'm not a, this guy from Ohio state. I'm a, I'm a CFL guy. I got that tag. So it's just like, how do I beat out these draft picks and people they invest the money in in free agency. And, um, and it was just like a learning experience. And I just kind of was like, you know, it's a lot of high stress, but this is just football, man. The media, fantasy all of these things just hype it up more and more but it's same you get the same recreation up in canada like you get the same play it's uh like it, it your body still feels just sore so for me i was just like i want to i want to finish my career playing at that level right playing at championship level i'm not sure if i want to be fourth or fifth receiver on the depth chart you know fighting for a team special teams like i'd rather just go back and be a number one, number two guy in Canada and enjoy it. I mean, because everybody likes their coffee different, man. Like you might like sugar cream. I might like French vanilla and no cream. But the way I like my football serve is catching a ball. Like I don't really like to tackle people. You know what I mean? So I'm not, I'm not, I'm not gonna say I'm the best special team player in the world. And I just kind of knew myself and I just, I had a stress-free just enjoyment of football. And I just kind of wrote it out up there, played for three more teams. Um, after I left Baltimore, I went back and played for Vancouver, uh, BC Lions, and then um, Montreal Alouettes. Had my son in Canada. He's a Canadian. You probably can hear him in the background acting a little crazy. He's my he's my crazy kid. And then uh, played in Hamilton and then finished in Vancouver. And I was pretty much good after that. I, I got what I needed from football, and um, it was a, it was an awesome experience, man. The people up in Canada are great they're great people and i play with a lot of great teammates what's the reception like you know just in terms of we see the nfl stadiums and whatnot but what's it like up there in terms of how uh you know attendance how you guys are are received in the communities and whatnot because you know it is it is a different sport a little bit how, how do they kind of treat cfl players up there well um the NFL is younger than the CFL. I played in the 150, I think 55th grade cup or 54th grade cup. So they had 150 championships before I even got up there. NFL is still under a hundred. So it's, it's the game is, it's older in Canada. Um, they have fans that follow the CFL and the nine teams, you know, for their whole lives. And um, I think the thing that the NFL does a great job with is marketing, right, and, and partnerships. And I think the CFL kind of suffers with that just because it's a league that's not as big and the salary cap isn't as high, so they can't pay guys more. But if you think back to guys like Archie Griffin or Tom Cousineau, 
they were using CFL contracts as leverage when they got drafted by the NFL to get more money as rookies. I mean, Cousineau, he told me a story uh, <laughs> how he was trying to leverage Montreal Alouette's contract with his NFL team that drafted him. I think he was like first overall, and he ended up having to take the CFL deal because it was that much more money at the time. And so the CFL is it's been around for a while and the fans love their game and they know it's a unique game and it's um i'm just happy i got to play in both right i got to be a part of both sides and and um it's uh they they love their teams up there for sure i think it's really important what you said about you know you just you wanted to play you wanted to enjoy your career um yeah you know i think again going back to kind of the soccer side of things talk to guys that come to MLS from overseas and like, yeah, maybe it's not as high of a level, but it's still a high level and you still get to play. You get yeah. to be a professional in the sport that you grew up playing. And, you know, I think maybe other guys decide they just want to be in the NFL. Right. And just, you know, be on, be on special teams, be on practice squad. But I like that you did, you, you did things the way you wanted it to be done. Um, that I think there's, there's a lot to be said about that. Um, let me ask you, as we kind of look, fast forward to Ohio State now, you see the offenses, there's my dog, I told you, um, you see the offenses that Ryan Day and, and Urban Meyer before him ran, how do you how do you view that in comparison to what you guys had? Because the game's changed, I know, but when a, a guy like Ryan is is running the offense, no. Um, how, do, how do you kind of view this, uh, the, the offense they have now at the Buckeyes and and the guys that they've got in that program. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I think for me, like, I'm jealous, right? Like, these dudes are getting 10 to 12 targets a game. Like, you know, we were – we weren't three yards in a cloud of dust, but we were a run-first offense, you know, coming off of Beanie, boom, and zoom, and then uh, going into, like, the Carlos Hyde era, right? It was an offense that was heavily built on the run and play action. Um, I think I would have loved an opportunity to play in a pass-first offense, right? Like, it would have been – it would have been a great opportunity for me, you know, but um, I think that's that's how football has evolved since I was playing. The game has changed. It's changed year in and year out. And just being able to see how these offensive coordinators can be so creative with getting guys involved, finding matchups. Like, we didn't really play in, like, a matchup type of offense where it was like, you know, this is the weak link. Let's circle him. We're going to put this guy in as many – uncomfortable situations as possible no we were like this is what we do 
let's try and get this concept out of this formation. And it was more about like identity and sticking to it. But I think now the evolution of the game, it's almost like the NBA, right? Like where you can put players and pick and rolls or ISO situations and just find the best matchup to get points. Football has kind of gone down that lane now, right? Where it's like, we're going to find where the weak link of the defense is. We're going to continue to do what we do. We're going to get different looks, but we're going to find that matchup and we're going to expose it until they stop it. And and I think I would have loved to be in something like that because I think, you know, one-on-one was one of my strengths as a receiver, just winning, especially at the college level. It was just like uh, I was so happy to get those opportunities, which will probably come like one to four times a game now. I mean, you look at guys like, uh, you know, Mar, JSN, like they're able to have these 10 catch games. I would I wasn't even getting 10 balls thrown my way, right? Like it was no chance for me to get that. And so just love the way the game has revolutionized and it's changed. And and uh, also with the rules, Pat, like the rules are more offensive friendly. They want you to score points. And um, I know a lot of defensive guys will second that, right? Like you know, the pass interference and the targeting, like they want you. It's also it's aimed to keep the game safe. But also, like as a fan, me, me and you, we're fans. We, you know, we're in the media space. We want to see points score, right? We want to see guys get in the end zone. We want to see field goals. We want that score to be high. Um, so would have loved to play in a, in a um, system like this today, man. These, these guys are super lucky. You mentioned a guy like Marv. Um, when you look at this receiver room that Ohio State has coming into this season, as a receiver yourself, just how do you, how do you kind of view the talent that they've accumulated? Um, obviously, Brian Hartline and, and whatnot, but – you got to have the quarterback too. You got to, you just kind of, how do you see this whole, that whole situation and specifically from your, from your eyes as a wide receiver? I mean, when I played there, it was guys like Chris Carter, Joey Galloway, Terry Glenn, David Boston, Ted Ginn, you know, those guys, Anthony Gonzalez, that a lot of people forget. So I was a first round pick. Um, Like Gonzo used to come back and work with me on Tuesdays and Thursdays and really help me with my routes and stuff like that. And obviously I had a relationship with Ted again, but those guys were all around it, always around it. Like the receiver tradition has never ever stopped at Ohio state. Right. Yeah. Like since, since CC got there, even before that, the Paul Warfields of the, of the world. And, and um, it's just something that has just gone to another level. Right. Um, and when you see guys play in a uniform before you and you recruit, you're like, man, I can see myself in this guy. So, to see what Heartline, one of my former teammates, has done, he understands that. Like, he understands what I'm talking about when it comes to Ohio State being receiver U for a very long time. And he's always been aware of that. So wanting to take that to another level is just – that's what he's done. Finding guys that fit those those uh, those comps, those pro comparables. Like, he's going to go get a 6'3". Six six two to six four guy to be your ex. He's gonna go find a a six foot to six six two guy that can blow the top off like a buka, and he's gonna find like the best slot receiver, right? And if you really look at how he recruits, he's recruiting guys that fit these comps, right? Like Tate and Ennis, those guys. Ennis is a slot guy. He mimics JSN's build and, and ability, right? And then you have a guy like. uh Carnell Tate that images Emeka Buka, right? You know, and Olave. Then you got a guy like 
and I'm like, Jeremiah Smith, right? Uh, coming in the next year, he mimics some Marvin Harrison. So he's just rinsing and repeating this, this cycle of going and getting these guys with these high stars, these, these uh, abilities that just shoot through the ceiling. I love what's going on. I mean, I'm proud to, you know, just be like a little dot. You know, if you look at a timeline of Ohio State guys going all the way back to Par Warfield, like I, me and Dane, we got a dot right there between 2008 and 2012. And it's just, I'm happy to be able to help carry on the tradition to, you know, Devin Smith and Mike Thomas. And then those guys carried on Curtis Samuel and Terry McClorn and stuff like that. So it's, it's, it's pretty amazing to be a part of that. Are you surprised that Heartline took this route um, to, you know, he obviously played in the NFL for, for quite a few years. Are you surprised that he, A, decided to get into coaching? Because there is kind of a story about, you know, he wasn't really into it at first. Um, are, are you surprised that? And then the success that he's had, just being somebody who knows him from being his teammate, like you said. No, not not surprised at all. I mean, Heartline was really one of the first guys out, you know, upperclassmen that, like, pulled me aside and said, hey, like, this is what it's about. This is what, like, what Hazel was talking about. This is how you run a slant. This is how you run an out route. This is how you step on toes on a post. This is how you cover a guy up on fades. You know, him and Rubisky were really on me early to become that guy. And um, and I just – he was a guy in the film room that would, like, like hey, coach, stop. I want to tell DeVere something. You know what I mean? Even as an older player, like, that's who he was. It's just naturally who he is. And then, um, then boom, he leaves Ohio State, has the NFL career he has. And then um, one thing you can't ever take away as a player, people say, oh, you know, can a former player be a great coach? But what you can't stop is a good vet that cares about the development of a young player, right? Whether you like coaching or not, there's a place for you in this world. And that is coaching. Like, and, and I found myself to be a vet that cared about seeing a freshman or a rookie come in not knowing how to do something or not understanding like coverage recognition and then by the end of the year or by the end of training camp boom they got it right just because you 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 taught it to them or they saw what you were saying in that film session and, and hardline has always had that attribute to him even as a player and so i'm not surprised at all to see him doing this as a coach i mean he's super detailed things that these guys are learning they're getting coached by a pro, like a, a guy that could probably do it at the next level if he wanted to. Um, but they're getting top-notch coaching um, as co in college. And I mean, there's no shot at none of my NFL coaches or anything like that. But I always said this, the best facilities that I've ever been involved in were at Ohio State. And being around some of the best coaches and players was at Ohio State, man. And, and then just the family that you were able to have at that school and just the legacy, like everybody takes pride in it. So not surprised at all. Yeah, I agree. Um, I didn't know him. I've gotten to know him more as the coach than, than the player, but you can certainly see why there's been success if you watch him out working with guys at camps or, or whatnot. Um, what do you, I, I know what you're up to, so to speak, but, but tell the listeners, what you're doing now, what's what's Devere Posey up to post-playing career and whatnot. I'm sure some of the people here locally in Columbus have heard you on the fan, but what all is, is going on in your life? I think for me, you know, I I, uh, I was a vet that wanted to help young players, but I'll be honest, I'm not coaching. Like I, like I got, you hear my kids in the background, I got three boys, um, I'm married, 
we are um i retired in 2021 and we moved back to columbus that year and uh i studied communications in college right i always loved talking about the game i always loved the media aspect and sort of being a voice behind you know game recaps are are wanting to figure out what's going on predictions stuff like that so i'm, I'm doing radio um i'm also an entrepreneur i have a few other businesses that i, I do you know during the day uh, but more importantly just being a dad and just trying to build in this media space right and just trying to you know find what fits me you know better you know whether it is radio or is it calling games whether it's you know studio preview post game highlights whatever um i just love being around football i love talking about it um i love showing fans what players see or hey take a look at this perspective you might not know and if you follow me on twitter like i think i give like maybe like wild not outlandish takes but something for you to think about and so i've always uh been a guy that uh is kind of leaned towards that so i'm kind of doing that with my time now pat and and um, it's uh, it's been very enjoyable so far. Good. I mean, I've enjoyed when, when we've talked on the fan. I enjoy listening to you when you're on with Tim and some of the other guys. So I think you're doing a great job with it. So keep it yeah, up. I hope you find whichever whichever uh, whichever lane it is in, in this media landscape. Uh, I got a couple quick questions for you from some of our uh, some okay. of our people on Bucknuts, and then we'll get you out of here so you can uh, go deal with the kids. Um, First one came from one of the guys on our message board. He asked about um, your contact with some of your teammates. You mentioned some of the guys, but he specifically said guys like Dame, uh, you know, how much are you guys in contact still? How much do you guys see each other? Things like that. Well, since living back in Columbus, obviously it's a lot more uh, when I was, you know, on both sides of, you know, when I was closer to the Pacific Ocean and closer to the Atlantic Ocean, it was hard to stay in contact. But guys that I really, one of my best friends is Boom Heron, obviously, AT and Sabino, those those guys were in my wedding. Um, Beanie Wells, still close with him. Rubisky, we still talk. Um, and I get to see Dane, you know, probably like, you know, three to four times a year. Stoneburner, we always make sure we grab coffee and, and uh, our lunch every now and then. Everybody has their own lives and their own kids now. But uh, Jake Ballard, I make sure I stay in contact with him. I see Braxton all the time. Um, and, and I think for me, like, right, like speaking about the the tattoo situation, it's it's, it's unique because it, it's brought gifts, right? It, it was like a, a moment in time where it connected me to Buckeyes from the past for forever and then Buckeyes from the future for forever. So even if I don't have a relationship with somebody you know, I can I can make a relationship with them, whether they know me from that, whether they know me from my time, you know, and I have Buckeye friends, you know, I'm friends with Keith Byers and Mike Dawson and, um, you know, Will Allen. I golf with those guys. We're in a cigar group. We talk about different cigars that we smoke. I, I got to meet David Boston down in Miami at an AAU tournament and just being able to connect with him. Um, guys from the future. I'm, I'm close with Paris Campbell. Uh, Cardell Jones, those guys, even guys that I didn't play with, Von Bell, um, you know, and then also the Buckeye Cruise, this uh, cruise that we do. It, yeah. You can just connect with guys. And it's just so funny. It's like we're all the same. Like we all come from similar backgrounds or we all had similar experiences at Ohio State. We just played at different times. So um, I'm cool with a lot of guys, man. People would be surprised with some of the relationships I do have now. I think they call that the brotherhood. 
capital B. Sacred Brotherhood, Pat. It's sacred. (laughs) Um, One question we had from another guy in Bucknuts. Cincinnati, being a Cincinnati guy, you probably have perspective. It's not a – it doesn't tend to be the hotbed. There you go. Rolling right now, baby. Let's go. Uh, it doesn't tend to be the hotbed recruiting-wise that mm-hmm. other places in Ohio are. Do you have any perspective as to why yeah. Cincinnati is is not where Ohio State goes if they don't tend to land? And they do, certainly have gotten guys like you, uh, Paris Johnson. Uh, there's certainly a list of them. But with the yeah. talent that comes out of that, that city, mm-hmm. why aren't there more headed to Ohio State in your mind? I think it's just visibility. I think it's like a TV radio problem, right? You're not – in Cleveland and Columbus, Ohio State is everywhere. It's just it's just everywhere. I mean, growing up, me and my brother had a brother that was, you know, one year in front of me in sports and two years in front of me in school. He was registered at Ohio University. But we would get on the bus and we would go to Midnight Madness at the University of Cincinnati. I'm talking Bob Huggins, Jason Maxill, Kenyon Martin, um, when, you know, those days. And then just when we would turn on the TV, our CBS would give us – SEC games. Sure. We wouldn't get Ohio State games. So I grew up, my, like my favorite, my blue blood school is the Kentucky. Like I watched Tayshawn Prince's run to a national championship. Like I, I, I had a lot of love for the Wildcats growing up because they were always on our screen. And then you had Xavier, David West, and, you know, Andrew Lavender, those guys that played down there. So we have a lot of other big universities that compete on a national level in Cincinnati. So I think it's that factor, too. Then also, it's just, I don't know if they recruit Cincinnati as hard, but guys aren't diehard. There's not diehard Buckeye fans in Cincy. Um, I mean, I went to, I had a locker buddy, Elliot Hebler is my guy, man. He was in my wedding too. When Ohio State offered me, he kind of brought to my attention how much of a big deal it was. And I was just like, really? It was a big deal? I was like, he's like, are you serious? Like, are, do you even know who Jim Charles? I was like, but I know, I know he wears the sweater vest. That's and that's just about all I knew about Ohio State. And then when I came north to Columbus, and I'm walking through the halls, and I'm like, oh, whoa, like, whoa, the guy from the Cowboys, Terry Glenn, played here. Chris Carter played here. David Boston played here. You know, Santonio Holmes, who's with the Steelers, he played here. Like, I didn't, I didn't know anything about him just because they weren't on my TV screen growing up. Um, and so uh, it's interesting you said that. I was speaking with somebody about doing some spots down on a Dayton radio station, and their whole goal is to grow Columbus and Dayton. And it's just like you guys don't got a lot of support. So I think that's part of the issue too, Pat. Like it's just it's not as prevalent as Columbus and Cleveland. Interesting. That's interesting. Uh, I've had friends that are down there, so I've been down there plenty. I guess I'll need to pay more attention. Like, yeah. What other what, what schools do I see people wearing shirts of and stuff down there? I'll have to kind of note that a little bit. It'll blow you away. It'll blow you away. You won't see as much Ohio State as you do here. Yeah. It's, it's just not stores. Like, you know, you can walk in a store and they might have an Ohio or a car dealership or something. You know, they might have a poster of Ohio State Stadium or something like that or big Ohio State block. Oh, like, not Cincy. It's just not, it's just not everywhere like that. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Last one here, and this was from Tyler in our live comments here. What do you want us, I assume it means the Buckeyes there, to improve this year? If there's one area you think that this team needs to improve the most, we'll kind of modify it so you don't have to go through a bunch of things. What what would that be to, to kind of get where they want to go in 2023? 
Um, I would love for the Buckeyes to stay healthy this year. Um, I, I think, you know, injuries really slowed us down as a team and, and, and catching momentum late. Um, and, and that's, you know, that's a toss up, right? But I'm not as worried about like the quarterback position as many people are. Yeah. Um, there's so much talent all over this uh, team, like the offensive line. They will be able to protect the quarterback. It's Ohio State. We'll always have a guy, right? Like this, there's always a guy that can protect the ball. We recruit, we recruit great. You just don't know his name yet. The receiver room is stacked. The running back room is probably even more stacked to me. If you look at just pound for pound, what each guy, each one of those guys can carry a team with a thousand plus yards at any other school in the Big Ten. Um, defense, I think our DBs are back to being BIA. And um, we've been able to recruit some guys and the guys who were inexperienced last year have two years with Jim Knowles in his system. Right. Our linebackers have depth. Uh, Tommy Eichenberg and still chambers. And, and, you know, like I know, CJ Hicks has been an emerging name. That's going to definitely give us a lot of, uh, you know, depth there. And then honestly, the biggest strength to our team is our defensive line. I mean, those guys are very deep. The last year it was a question like, can they get pressure on the quarterbacks? Now these guys, it's going to be a sack race. It's going to be like Philadelphia Eagles last year. They're going, to, they're going to be very good and get after the quarterback. So when I think about the quarterback, it's not really many areas you can improve. It's just stay healthy and just give this guy playmakers, right? Don't Kyle McCord, Devin Brown, whoever it is. You don't have to be CJ. You don't have to be Dwayne Hassons. We're not asking you to be Justin Fields. Just don't drop the snap. Hand it to Maya, hand it to Travion, get it to Cade Stover, have a nice blanket there. And then there's a guy over in the boundary that's probably the best draft prospect in this year's draft, and that's MH2. Guy has a PhD in football. He's been around his whole life. Just get him the ball and don't turn it over. And, and I think if we kind of – take that mentality and just attack teams and just be who we are and stay healthy. I don't know if there's much that we can improve on, but I mean, everybody has their last game on the season, you know, circle, right? Like obviously that's an area of improvement is beating Michigan, but what bigger challenge than the seniors who haven't got a chance to beat Michigan, you need to go up to Ann Arbor in your senior year and you need to knock them out of the playoffs or you have to go up there and just find a way to win, right, and finish your senior year off right. So stay healthy and beat Michigan. Yeah, I think uh, I think everyone would take that in Buckeye Nation. I think people would be yep. pretty happy with the All right, Devere, I appreciate it, man. This has been great. I talk, We talked way longer than even I expected. So thanks for the I time. Sorry. That's, <laughs> that's, that's great. I do the same. I'm, I'm – you know, it fills the time. So I'm glad to do it. We'll have you back on, man. I really, I really, this was fun. I think people will really enjoy this. So thanks again for taking the time. No problem, Pat. Anything you need, but. All right. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks again to Devere Posey for coming on. That was, uh, that was fantastic stuff. If you missed anything from him, if you tuned in late, you'll be able to catch this podcast recorded anywhere you get your podcast, YouTube, it's also on Facebook, on Twitter, if you want to go there and, and watch it back. So available, like, subscribe, all that good stuff that helps us out. Um, we are now just about 53 minutes into what's usually an hour-long show. Uh, I didn't want to stop talking with Devere because we were having so much fun. 
So I'm still going to talk about it, but this may be an abbreviated version of what I had planned, which is kind of where the Buckeyes fit into this national landscape, the Big Ten, going into the 2023 season. And my coworker, Steve Hellwagon, put up a story on, on Bucknuts yesterday, this morning maybe, yesterday, I don't know, uh, recently. It's on there if you want to find it, of kind of the consensus polls so far. He's going to update it once the AP polls and coaches polls comes out. But he went through a bunch of different uh, polls that have been released, the rankings that have been released, Sporting News, Athlon, ESPN, uh, R247 Sports One, a whole, a whole bunch of them to kind of get this consensus ranking. Uh, and I'll kind of give you – I won't go through the whole top 25, but just to give you an idea, and it's what you'd expect. Uh, Georgia, number one. Michigan, number two. Ohio State, number three. Alabama, number four. LSU, five. Penn State, six. USC, seven. Florida State, eight. Clemson, nine. And Washington, ten. I'll add Notre Dame in there at 11 since we know the Buckeyes face the Irish here fairly early on in the season. Um, so that's where kind of the the people who have done ranks so far, if you, if you put it all together, that's where they are, this consensus poll. I wanted to just kind of give my opinion on kind of what I see from the Buckeyes this year in terms of where I see them fitting in. Um, if you're watching this live, want to throw your comments in the comment section about kind of where you would, would rank the Buckeyes head in the season. Look, I think three is a fair spot going into the year for Ohio State. Um, right now, if Georgia's got to be the top dog, they're two-time national champions, back-to-back. They've got a lot of talent returning. Um, and, you know, I think Michigan and Ohio State, just looking on paper, it's, it's very close. Michigan has a lot of talent returning as well. Uh, but you know what's happened the last two years. You want to change that ranking uh, going into next season, you go up to Ann Arbor, like DeVere was just saying, and you beat the Wolverines. But right now, Michigan's earned the right with the talent they have coming back, plus beating Ohio State in back-to-back years. And I know people watching this probably won't like to hear it, but I think if you're if you're looking at it from a neutral perspective, it's, it's fair to say that Michigan deserves to be slightly above Ohio State right now um, in, a, in a national perspective. Alabama at four, I think, is an interesting one because – this isn't the Alabama teams we've seen recently. Now, across the board, talent-wise, I think they're still very, very good. But in maybe the most important position uh, at quarterback, they have not been able to find a starter. And it's not the situation that Ohio State has, uh, where you have two really good options coming back that both have, have seen a little bit, if not more game time. And you... You know, we trust that one of them will emerge. But, you know, Alabama had to go into the transfer portal and pull out Notre Dame's Tyler Buckner. And I think Tyler, Tyler Buckner is a, a solid quarterback. Um, but from what Alabama has had recently with Heisman Trophy winners um, and, and whatnot, this seems like a, a strange situation to be in if you're, if you're Nick Saban. And, look, Alabama's won with um, – <laughs> a number of different type of quarterbacks and they figured out ways to, to do it without having maybe that superstar quarterback. So I'm not saying that the Crimson Tide don't deserve to be there and maybe will be there at the end of the season in that top four, but I think it is just a different look. Um, and interestingly enough of that top four, only Michigan has a returning starting quarterback. So everyone's looking for a quarterback. And just the fact that Notre Dame had, or excuse me, that Alabama had to go get a Notre Dame quarterback transfer 
is, and not one that has lit things up like what Notre Dame did, um, I think is interesting. LSU had a strong end to last season going to the SEC championship game. I think you all know what Penn State is. USC coming up just short of the playoff. The Buckeyes obviously benefited from that. I will be very interested with the Trojans just – sorry about my dog. She's, she's losing her mind today. Uh, usually she's outside during this. She didn't want to go outside earlier. Now she does, uh, but she'll have to wait. Uh, USC, look, you have a Heisman Trophy quarterback, Heisman Trophy winning quarterback coming back. But we've seen these second years of quarterbacks that have won the Heisman that, that next year, it doesn't always go as well. And, and there will be at some point, I have to imagine, a quarterback that bucks that trend and, and has another year, and whether they win the Heisman twice or not, maybe that's Caleb Williams. Um, obviously, some injuries late in the season affected him. He's not the biggest of guys. But my biggest thing with USC is until that defense gets fixed, it's the same thing we've had conversations with about Ohio State. I don't, I don't trust the Trojans to get to that that you know college football playoff level. Uh, we know a lot being in Columbus about the defense coordinator at, at USC. Uh, the the fact that they've struggled so much there, nothing's changed, is interesting to me. But uh, that's my thought on USC, and kind of I'm not ready to put them in that upper echelon until they you know, prove that that side of the ball. Um, Florida State, I think, is an interesting one. Florida State and Clemson, 8-9 and nine in this consensus poll, and it's probably one of those two teams is going to be the, the ACC champion. Florida State, one of the few teams in the, in the you know, top of, the, of these top teams that has a returning quarterback. Um, Clemson as well, though uh, I think he only threw 100 passes last year, Cade Klubnik. So I'm interested to see that. And, and kind of how that battle plays out throughout the ACC season um, and, you know, just just how they fix some of the issues at Clemson. Obviously, the quarterback play has not been as good as it had been in the past, but they've had some other issues too. But that that is a very talented roster if the quarterback situation and the offense can be what it has been in the past. Um, and then looking outside the though, those top 10 teams and maybe team or two that could surprise somebody, I – said this when Dave Biddle and I talked on Monday's Bucknuts Morning 5, Texas is a team that I'm going to have as a dark horse this year until they prove me wrong. And they're the favorite in the the um, Big 12, their final year in the Big 12. They've got Quinn Ewers at quarterback, whom I know Ohio State fans would like to see. Most of them would like to see him have not have success, but I think he's a very good quarterback. Uh, I think that they have plenty of talent around him. You saw a team that, you know, was up and down a little bit last year, but certainly had some success. I will be interested to see how Quinn evolves, shaved off the mullet, uh, talked about growing up. It was time to grow up, I think is the quote he had. So how that how he plays, how that plays out for him. Um, that could be a team that I think if they win the, that conference, they could be a team to sneak into the college football playoff, depending on how other things play out. Tennessee coming off last year where they finished 11 and two, had a Heisman Trophy candidate at quarterback until he got hurt. Um, I think that it's hard to – you need to build on that if you're Tennessee and you want to be consistently back at where you once were. I don't know if Joe Milton is the answer there at quarterback. Um, they also lost their top receiver who won the Blitnikoff last year over Marvin Harrison. Uh, and then the other – another one, TCU, down at 18 in this consensus poll. This is a team that played for the national championship last year. Now, they lost plenty of talent from that team. 
Um, probably not a team like uh, some of the others that can can reload and build on that success. Uh, but I will keep an eye on TCU throughout the year just to see if, if there is the chance to, to kind of build on that success. And then the final one I'm going to bring up is Wisconsin. I think Wisconsin could, could, if the offense can get going quickly uh, with the new offensive coordinator under Luke Fickle, be a interesting team in the Big Ten. I think in the Big Ten you've got your Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State in some order, and those are the favorites to win the conference. But Wisconsin's got to be one of the favorites out of the Western Division, and you know if they can get the offense going, I I have faith in Luke Fickle to have the defense playing well. Uh, that's a team that could be interesting in the Big Ten race. Other than that, I think it's the the three East teams. Um, and remember, I State has to go to Madison this this year, which will never be an easy game. So um, that was kind of an abbreviated version. Maybe we'll dive into this a little bit more next week since we went so long with Devere. But I think Devere had some really good things to say. Um, I, I really enjoyed that. If you, again, if you missed that, go back and you can listen to it in podcasts. You can watch it on YouTube, all that. We're going to cut this off because – I think if I don't let my dog outside, she's going to just lose her mind here soon. But thank you all for listening. This has been another episode of the Bucknuts Morning – or excuse me, did the Bucknuts Morning 5 earlier this week. The Bucknuts Happy Hour. Thanks again to Devere. Thanks for everyone who tuned in. Thanks for everyone who watched live. We appreciate it. And enjoy the weekend. We'll be back next week. Cheers.